You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. If you listen back through the recent podcasts, or indeed all the way back to the start, or if you were to look at my videos, there's 830 something of them at this stage, all the way back to when I started sending out weekly videos in December 2008. It's a long time ago at this stage. Or if there were records of what I am always talking about all the way back to when I started doing this, working for myself in Dublin in 1996. There is a thread running through all of our conversations in relation to how people experience things just happening for them or what they need falling into their lap at the right time. We talked about results in the last podcast episode. And I think it's very important that we explore how people get their results and what those results are for them and what they mean to them more and more, because an awful lot of our conversations center on the need to meditate. But meditation is only a tool. Meditation is like a running machine in the gym, a treadmill, I suppose. I don't know what you call them. I don't go to the gym. I prefer to be up the mountains. It's like a gym machine that one uses to get mentally fit. Now, that's a very bad analogy in so many ways, because if you go to the gym for six months and get physically fit and then don't go to the gym for the following six months, 12 months after you started going to the gym, you're effectively going to have to start all over again because the body will have got flabby again, the muscles will have got saggy again, you'll probably have put on a bit of weight, and you will have once again found yourself out of physical shape. So the analogy of meditation being a gym machine is only half true, and it's half true in the sense that it is a training exercise. But the difference is that if you meditate for six months and get yourself up to a level of mental fitness and then fall off the wagon, so to speak, for six months and don't meditate at all, if you start again 12 months after you had originally started your meditative practice, you will pick up where you had left off at the end of the six month before you fell off the wagon. It's a totally different dynamic. And very often people get upset about falling off the wagon. People feel guilty about falling off the wagon. In other words, by falling off the wagon, that's their expression. I mean, actually not meditating when they know they should. And when they know they must, actually, if you listen to some of the recent training that I've sent out on Thursday morning videos, meditation is a must because we need to take control of our mind. We need to restructure our brain because if we don't, our mind will control us and our brain will remain with the structures that were given to it by the evolutionary process that was only designed to enable us make it through the day and survive, not to be our best selves, if I can put it like that. 
not to achieve our goals and ambitions and our dreams, not to achieve what we set out to achieve every 1st of January with our New Year's resolutions. We'll probably talk about that more as we approach the end of the year. So what I was saying was a lot of our conversations center on the need to meditate. And it is a must, as I said a moment ago, but it is only a tool. And you go to the gym to get fit so that you can do other things. You meditate so that you can get fit, so that you can live your life to the full. You meditate so that you experience clarity of mind while you're meditating, so that you can experience that self-same clarity of mind when it matters during the course of everyday life, thereby transforming everyday life. Or if I can put it a slightly different way, thereby transmuting the ordinary into the extraordinary. And the extra simply is that you have turned up with your clear and focused mind as a result of your training. That is what delivers results. And that is what this episode is about. I told you, in last week's episode, some specific stories of clients and online program owners. And I've hundreds of them, by the way, probably thousands of them at this stage. Many of the individuals involved will have multiple stories themselves to tell because we don't set our minds to achieve a perfect moment. We set our minds to achieve a perfect moment at a time. And I recall a conversation that I had way back in the late 1990s when I was still living in Dublin with a client of mine who was an insurance broker in Dublin. I had known him when I worked in the insurance industry in the 1980s, and he became a regular client of mine after I started working for myself. And he set his mind to experience a perfect moment, as, as all of my clients and all my online program owners do. And it went something along the lines that he was walking along the promenade, looking up at the palm trees with an ice cream in his hand, having had a lovely dinner al fresco, looking out over the sea. Now, that's pretty much all he wrote. He had the location in mind, but he didn't write that for the simple reason that the location that he had in mind, which happened to be Puerto Palenza in Mallorca, he didn't write that down because when we give our subconscious mind the coordinates of our perfect moment, or if I can put it in the way in which I expressed it over the last few weeks, when we give our subconscious mind the coordinates of what is best for us, very often, the subconscious mind will bring us to somewhere that we hadn't anticipated. It'll always be better than what we would have thought we wanted ourselves. So this guy wrote down, as I said a minute ago, that he was walking along, ice cream in hand, his belly full after a nice meal, having sat looking out over the sea. He didn't write down that it was Puerto Palenza. But as a matter of fact, a couple of years later, he rang me from Puerto Palenza, where he had just bought a little apartment. He had just had a dinner of grilled sole and French fries and was walking along the promenade, which is a pedestrianized area with big tall palm trees, or at least it was the last time I was there, with an ice cream. And he said to himself, oh my God, this is the perfect moment that I wrote. 
uh, in detail. That's the really interesting thing about writing perfect moments or setting your mind, whatever way you want to talk about it. Generally speaking, some of the little details, and you see, there's no such thing as a little detail because it's all the little details together that bring us joy in any particular moment. But it's very often the little details that are pinpoint exactly as you wrote them. Even though, for example, he could have been telephoning me from the Canaries or the Caribbean or the South China Sea or I don't know where, but he happened to be telephoning me from Puerto Palenza. And he said, I'm ringing you because I'm experiencing exactly what I hand wrote a couple of years ago. I'm having a perfect moment. I said, that's wonderful. He said, but I rang you for two reasons. The second reason was that I was wondering if I could set my mind to another perfect moment. Now, I had to laugh. I didn't laugh at him. We ended up laughing together. But as I said to him, Frank, your life is supposed to be full of perfect moments. And, you know, the more perfect moments we experience, the more perfect moments we would love to have our life filled with. Now, I didn't say we want more. You know what I mean by not saying that I want. We've had that conversation a couple of times in the last couple of episodes. That's not what I'm talking about at all. I want more, 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 more. No, because him walking along the promenade in Puerto Palenza with his ice cream, that was a perfect moment. That, at that moment in time, was enough. I've used the word enough before as well. It's interesting with many of the clients with whom I work, they themselves eventually get to the point where they say to me, without my having said it at all, that they've realized that they are enough. In other words, they're perfect just the way they are. How far removed is that from the way in which we normally, using the structures in the brain that evolution gave us, how far removed is that from how we normally see ourselves, how we normally perceive ourselves, warts and all? And interestingly enough, that is one of the key results that people achieve as a result of having taken control of their state of mind through the training of regular everyday meditation. It's an interesting one because the results that we've talked about recently in this podcast tend to be the culmination of a particular story or a particular stage of the journey. I didn't say a destination, a stage of the journey, because there is no destination. This is an adventure that will last you for the rest of your life if you're prepared to live your life to the full. Now, why would you not be prepared to live your life to the full? Lifestyle choice, one lifestyle choice, one now at a time. But the interesting thing is that a lot of the stories that I tell are about events, or say, for example, we've talked about jobs falling into people's laps. One of the things that people often actually discount is possibly the most fundamentally important result that any of us can achieve and experience and appreciate in our lives. And that is that I'm perfect. I am enough. I'm perfect just the way I am. There are no warts and all. There are no perceived weaknesses. There are no perceived strengths. There is just an experience of being, an experience of flowing, and an experience of appreciating what we are. 
energy in a sea of universal energy, allowing all good things fall into our lap. Now, as I said a couple of minutes ago, it doesn't have to be anything grand that falls into your lap. Little things, which are never little things at all, fall into our lap every day when we're living in flow. I had a conversation a number of months ago with one particular girl with whom I've worked for the last couple of years at this stage, one-to-one. It's a little unusual. We've been talking regularly for a couple of years at this stage. Now, some people will only talk with me for, say, a package of six one-to-one consultations on Zoom. But as this particular girl says to me, she says, there are very few other people with whom I can have the kind of conversation that I can have with you. Anyway, that's an aside. I was having a conversation with her last summer and she was taking dancing lessons at the time. And by her own admission, she wasn't ready for Dancing with the Stars or Strictly Come Dancing or whatever it's called in your part of the world. And she decided that probably the best way of getting the most enjoyment out of the group dancing classes that she was attending at the time would be to get some individual tuition. And she said to herself, I I don't know if there's any such thing as individual tuition in the little town or village, I suppose, in which I live or anywhere nearby. I've no idea if it exists even, you know, an hour from here in the centre of London. But she had got this notion into her head. That's the only way I can describe it. In other words, it wasn't something that she thought of. It's something that occurred to her. Now, we know why I've used those words, because all the important things that we need to do in life, all the solutions to the apparently insurmountable problems that we encounter in everyday life, and all the decisions that we have to make, and we have to make decisions every day in relation to how we live our lives, they all just occur to us when we're not thinking about it. So this occurred to her. Wouldn't it be a wonderful idea if I could find dancing instructor who would take me one-to-one close to where I live. That was a conversation I had with her on a Friday morning. Following Friday morning, I had a conversation with her again. And she said, just after our conversation last Friday, she said, actually on Sunday, I went out for my usual walk. It's a walk that I got used to during uh, lockdown, during COVID. It's a particular circuit that didn't take me outside the mandatory, I don't know how many miles she was allowed to be away from home, given all the different rules and regulations that were heaped upon us all during the COVID experience. But she went for this walk that she'd been on, as she said herself, probably a hundred times at this stage. And she was walking along down the main street of this particular little town or village. And she just decided to look up to her right. And there in the window was a poster stuck on with sellotape that said individual dance classes and a mobile telephone number. Now, that was there all the time. But the fact was that it had fallen into her lap because for no known reason, she had just done what felt right at that moment in time. Now, I've had a number of conversations with people in relation to almost identical situations and experiences that they've had over the last few weeks. Is that a big life-changing experience? 
Yes, it is. And the reason it is, is that it tells her that I need to keep doing what feels right. Because what feels right gives me what I need one moment at a time to enable me live the life that I love living. Uh, this is a really important point. We often talk, and I often talk, about big results that people get, life-changing results. But every result that one receives is life-changing for a whole variety of reasons, not least of which is that you learn to trust yourself to do what you feel you should be doing one now at a time in any now, regardless of the apparent importance or relative unimportance of this particular now, because there's no such thing as an unimportant now. There's no such thing as an insignificant now. Our lives are lived in nows, and therefore every now is significant. In every now, this is it. And we don't have next now. The next now is not guaranteed. We better turn up and live and enjoy this particular now. So we've been talking about how people get results and how people stop worrying about when the results will fall into their lap, so to speak. Now, I'm going to come back to that in a later episode in relation to the frustration and impatience that people encounter. Let's leave that for today, because what I want to talk about today is a question that I got from an online program owner just a couple of weeks ago in relation to how you stop worrying, how you get to the point of allowing all good things fall into your lap. Last week, we talked about that, the actual title of last week's episode was what does all good things mean in practice what does it mean in everyday life well it actually means exactly what it says on the tin all good things means all good things very often actually it means more than it says on the tin very often it means things that you could never have imagined happening for you where you're using your thinking mind. In other words, some of the things that happen people as a result of their not thinking, as a result of getting out of their own way, are unimaginable to their old normal way of thinking. That, that's reasonable, that's logical, that's kind of obvious when I say it like that, because their old normal way of thinking always kept them in a box on a treadmill, not the treadmill I was talking about earlier on. It's an entirely different analogy now. It's the treadmill. It's the sorry go round of ordinary everyday life. The treadmill we talked about hopping on earlier on, and as I explained at the time, uh, an incomplete analogy, as all analogies actually are incomplete, is the necessity to train yourself using meditation every single day every day. Now, we'll miss days. We've talked about that before. We'll talk about it again. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you get back upon the horse after you've fallen off the wagon. Now, there are mixed analogies there, mixed metaphors. So I was asked the question, how do I get to the point of just letting everything fall into my lap? And the answer is really simple. I need to do 
just what I'm doing now. End of story. We need to unpack that a little bit. We need to tease it out. I had an interesting conversation with a farmer in Wales a number of years ago. He had all kinds of difficulties, as most farmers do, all kinds of challenges. And when I met him first, he couldn't sleep at night. When I met him first, he was suffering from uh, migraine. He was suffering from a variety of physical illnesses. After a number of conversations with this individual, I talked to him early one Wednesday morning, by telephone, actually, as it was at the time. And I said to him, how has your day started? I said, did you meditate this morning? He said, I did a different form of meditation this morning. He said, it takes me about 15 minutes to make my porridge every morning. He said, I stood at the stove and carefully and mindfully stirred the porridge to stir the porridge. That is what I mean by just doing what you're doing now. I've recommended a book to you before. I'm going to recommend it again because it is prescient in relation to what we're talking about now. It's a little book by Thich Nhat Hanh called The Miracle of Mindfulness. And in the first part of that book, the first half of that book, he writes a letter to one of his students who is running a monastery back in Vietnam. It's a set of instructions in relation to basically how to ensure that you stay on the straight and narrow, that you stay on the wagon that we've been talking about. And he offers a variety of practical exercises that form part of what the monks in the monastery have to do anyway, every day. So he talks about washing the dishes to wash the dishes drinking a cup of tea to drink a cup of tea, eating a tangerine orange one segment at a time. I came in from the garden a couple of months ago in high summer to sit down with a group of people for a Zoom. And as we all sat down, somebody asked me, what had I been doing before I sat down for our Zoom? I said, I was outside hanging out the clothes to hang out the clothes. Now, they knew exactly what I was talking about, but I took my time and I did it mindfully. Now, there are so many ingredients, important ingredients to what I have just said. I took my time. I did what I had to do at that moment in time. If I were to suggest to you that at lunch tomorrow, you give yourself the time to sit quietly and mindfully enjoy your lunch, to drink your drink one sip at a time, to eat your sandwich and taste it one mouthful at a time. In other words, to eat your sandwich, to eat your sandwich. If you stopped to reflect on that, you'd probably say, well, I've never done that before. Because people will generally eat their sandwich whilst doing something else. It's terrible that an awful lot of people don't get up from their desks to have their lunch anymore. Even when they're working from home, by the way, or possibly especially when they're working from home. And even if they're not doing something else, they won't give themselves the necessary time to properly taste the sandwich. They will say to themselves, I better get this fuel into me quickly because I have something else to do afterwards. I'll gobble down my sandwich as I run to the bank. Whereas 
eating one's sandwich is a task in itself. Walking to the bank is a task in itself. And doing your business in the bank is a task in itself. People think they can multitask. And psychology is known for years and neuroscience is known for the last few years that multitasking means that you're trying to do a few things badly at the same time. There's no such thing as multitasking. It is the polar opposite of mindfully going about what you have to do now. And it is, it's an illness of modern living that gets us into all kinds of trouble because we end up trying to do a load of things automatically, which encourages, as if it needed encouragement, the automatic mind to catch us up in its whirlwind of everyday thought and whisk us through the day so that we don't experience it, so that we miss our life that day, just like every other day whilst we're using our mind on automatic. So in other words, if you're using your mind on automatic, or as I referred to it a minute ago, your old-fashioned way of normal thinking. You're not living your life, you're missing your life. All good things fall into our lap when we are simply doing what we're supposed to be doing right now. Why? Because we have, as a result of doing what we're doing, got out of our own way. As a result of immersing ourselves mindfully in what we are doing now, we have parked our thinking mind, the part of our mind that might be trying to figure out how I can get what I haven't yet got, which leads to the impatience and the frustration that I mentioned a few minutes ago. Impatience and frustration obviously only come from the thinking mind. They're not facts of life. They have nothing to do with whether something has or hasn't happened yet. They are simply what you think about whether something has or hasn't happened yet. We need to ensure that we bring the clarity of mind that we learn and experience through meditation into the very fabric of our everyday life. Now, there are a variety of ways of doing that. We've talked before, and no doubt we will talk again, about mini-meditation. In other words, meditating for 90 seconds or 120 seconds during the course of the day. I actually talked about that last week in relation to ensuring that before you do something actually important, as I said a few minutes ago, every now is potentially important, but before you go into an interview, for example, you sit down for a couple of minutes, you arrive a couple of minutes early and make sure that you have the time to sit down and clear your mind so that you actually turn up for the interview mind and body. Most people turn up for interviews, body only, and then wonder how they didn't make the right impression and didn't get the job. It's very hard for you to make an impression on somebody else if you haven't impressed yourself enough to bother to ensure that you turn up to the here and now. Therefore, we need to weave mindfulness moments of mindfulness into the very fabric of our day. That starts with meditation, which needs to be done before the day gets going. Then during the course of the day, we could mini meditate or we could do what I have been describing. In other words, give ourselves time to do what we have to do slowly, carefully, as if it matters, as if our life depends upon it. Because my life 
depends on me hanging out the clothes to hang out the clothes. Because in doing that chore that way, I turn up to the here and now. As a result of which, I am in flow. As a result of which, what I need falls into my lap, simply as a result of me being present. It couldn't be any simpler. It's just that normally-minded people will try to complicate, as a result of their normal way of thinking, the simple, the effortlessly simple. What I've got to do is what I've got to do now. And I know, and the people with whom I work know, that when they are in that zone, when they are in flow, when they are immersed in just what they're doing, everything that they need for the next steps of their adventurous journey presents itself one now at a time as a result of their turning up. There are a number of ways in which we can say to ourselves, yes, I am in flow. I'm experiencing flow. Things come to us. We become an opportunity magnet. That's only half the story. We create opportunities, obviously, ourselves. But we know, for example, and the University of Chicago has researched this for decades at this stage, we know that time warps when we are in that flow state of mind. I'll give you a practical example of that. I've been talking for half an hour at this stage. It seems as if I've just sat down to start recording this podcast episode. What have I been doing all that time? I've been doing just what I have to do at this moment in time. That is the secret to living your life to the full. Now, the minute I say that, I'm actually saying to myself, hold on, it's not a secret at all. Reflect on this. What does living your life to the full actually mean, given that we live our life moment to moment in the here and now? It means that I'm doing what I'm doing in the here and now. I'm immersed in what I'm doing in the here and now. I'm in the zone in the here and now, as a result of which I'm enjoying myself in the here and now. And I don't have a care in the world because I am simply immersed in the here and now in flow. It is that simple. If you think that it mightn't be that simple, well, aren't you a fool for thinking at all? you've been listening to to succeed just let go to get involved join me in my facebook group strangely enough called to succeed just let go and for more information visit www.willie-dot.com